Theo, can you read this? All right, so I'm about to read the excerpt to you. This is not something I think about myself. I'm reading from a book. <laughs> I am a ridiculous person. Now they call me a madman. That would be a promotion if it were not that I remain as ridiculous in their eyes as before. But now... You, that was right. That's pretty good. everyone this is host rachel checking in real quick just to give you a heads up this story deals with a main character who at the beginning of the story is very seriously contemplating suicide and then has a dream that he does kill himself and by the end of the story he's a completely changed man and he's you know decided not to however if this is something that you don't really want to hear about right now we totally understand and you should skip this episode and then come back next week. Also, if you are considering suicide yourself and you would like to call someone to talk to them, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, its number is 800-273-8255, 800-273-TALK. And they are a great resource and you should definitely reach out to them. I'm not sure if it's available in other countries, but that's the number for the U.S. All right, audience, whether you stay or not, we love you. Okay, on to the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fire the Cannon. This is your host, Jackie. This is your other host, Rachel. And this is your birthday boy, producer Theo. Oh, hell no. No, 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 no. Get him. Get him, Rachel. No, I said it first. You have to get him. <laughs> I thought that was you just egging yourself on. Go on, like, Rachel. You can do it. I think it. we need to hire a fourth person who can get We'll me. get Jacob to do it when we record later this week. The fourth host. Yeah. This is the three host problem. Get it? Yes. I'm sure you're all wondering why we've gathered you here today. The reason is because it's my birthday. It's my 30th birthday. And for this reason, we are reading a story I pick. It's her birthday and she'll pod if she wants to. And I do want she to. Does. She wants to pod about. And I do. About. We are going to be talking about one of my favorite short stories, and that is The Dream of a Ridiculous Man by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky is one of my favorite authors, and I don't say that very often because it sounds very pretentious to say, but it's true. And the great thing about Dostoevsky is you can easily read everything he's ever written. But Jackie hasn't. But Jackie <laughs> hasn't, because I want to save some joy for the rest of my life. I'm only 30, Rachel. True. I still have probably 70 years to go. Really? Dang, girl. Dream big. Oh, I'm going to be on that Smucker's jar. What Smucker's jar? Is that, you get to go on a jar every time you're 100? Every time you gain another 100 years. Yeah, so far no one's gotten the 200 jar, but <laughs> I might be the first person. Oh my gosh. Do you think maybe I ought to try to be on some other type of food packaging instead? Maybe the Smucker's jar is a little too lofty of a goal. Yeah, you should be on the milk carton. <laughs> Man, I walked right into that one. Were you really not trying to set me up for that? No, I really wasn't. I, I had no idea. <laughs> wow. I think I'm a little too old to be on the... That's... Oh my God, this is the worst possible age. Now I'm having a crisis. I'm too young to be on the Smucker's Jar and I'm too old to be on the milk cart. <laughs> what am I going to go on? Jackie, that's the biggest chunk of life, you know? I can't be on the Wheaties box. I'm too frail. Is that a box only for the strong? Yeah, I, Athletes go on the Wheaties box. I don't 
really mm. eat Wheaties. I can tell by looking at you. Because it looks so frail? Yeah. This has been a judgmental advertisement for Wheaties, apparently. I mean, honestly, there are lots of cereals where I don't think you belong on the front. Are there any where you think I do? Wow, what a wonderful birthday statement. <laughs> I mean, there's already a character on a lot of them. Count Chocula. Yeah. <laughs> you can be Count Chocula. Count Jacula. Oh, Count that's Jacula. pretty good. Oh my gosh, Jacula is perfect for Dracula, not that good for Chocula. As far as puns go. You're right. I could be on the cover of Dracula. I could not be on the cover of... <laughs> the cover of Dracula. <laughs> Dracula Weekly. Drac of the Month. <laughs> this is a whole new world of things I never thought about before. Thea wants me to go missing, and I want to live to be old. And I want you to dress up like a vampire and force people to call you Dracula. I feel like that's too close to Ejacula. If I go viral Ooh. online, then that's just going to be kind of gross. An electronic Dracula. <laughs> That's all it don't is. Don't get it twisted, audience. Yeah, don't, don't, get it. don't go there. Oh my God, did you guys think I was saying something else? Ew. No, we thought you were talking about electronic jackets. Because that's all I was saying. That's a good episode title. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so thanks to my lovely parents, one of whom is listening and one of whom is not. I love you equally. Wink, wink. Wink, um, wink. I exist. And I've, I've somehow made it for 30 years despite looking like what Joshua would say is the before picture on a Got Milk ad and what Theo says should go on the milk carton. Wait, do Got Milk ads have before and afters? No, I think we've talked about this before. I thought the before was just no milk mustache. (laughs) Wow, you really don't have a milk mustache. Gross. (laughs) Wow, why does Theo love that so much? I don't know. That's really funny to me. It's a terrible insult. (laughs) A terrible insult by which I mean like an okay compliment. (laughs) Yeah. Do you guys remember, did I tell both of you when Steven was a teen and broke up with me, the insult that he gave me that was so weird. Like it was such a convoluted insult that I'll never forget it, but I think he totally forgot it. What was it? Can I say one that I think it might be? <laughs> I, I'm scared. If it's a, if it's one that I forgot, that could be a problem. Can we insult you and see if that was it? <laughs> well, I do remember something weird he said when he was breaking up with you, but it might not be the same thing. So you go first. Okay. And if it's humorous, you can tell me, but if you think it's going to make me upset, I don't, don't. I don't think it'll make you upset. Why would I... I never upset anyone. Yeah, true. Okay. So this is what he said. He said, I bet that there aren't five people in the world who would put you in their top five favorite people. What? What? (laughs) Why are you dating him? He said it when he was a teen. He's in his 30s now. What? I would have put you in my top five. Yeah, well, that's Your parents only have four kids. I know. I think at the time when he said it, I was like, are you kidding? Yes, there are. I can name like six off the top of my head. Wow. What? What was the deal with that? I- isn't that? But isn't that convoluted? Because you have to be like, why is it five people and why is it their top five? <laughs> He's like a Gawain. <laughs> I can name four people who would put you in their top five, but Steven's one of them now. Wow. Oh my God. Please tell me if you get married, you're going to put that in your wedding vows. Say like, I guess I made it into someone's top five. Well, I think I brought it up to him later to be like, ha ha, remember this convoluted mean thing you said to me? And he's like, what? I would never say that. I'm like, why would I make that up? That's You definitely said it. Was it at least five or was he just saying, I don't think there are exactly five? I don't even think there are five. So there even. might be four. Yeah, but there aren't five. I mean, I think four's still pretty good. There might be good. four people who would put me in their top four. Okay, 
What's your humorous insult, Jackie? Um, I don't know if you'll find it funny. I don't think you'll find it upsetting or funny, actually. I, I just always remember it for some reason. Sounds like great content. Let's hear it. Well, you probably cut it out, but I do remember <laughs> you were like upset and saying like how confusing oh, Stephen was being and saying like he wants to break up with me, but he keeps paying attention to me. And on huh. top of that, apparently I smell irresistible. What, what an insult. Was, is that something Stephen said? He said that. He used that as an excuse. He was like, well, I can't like ignore you. Like why he was being confusing because you smell good. What? I've probably told you this before, but basically every time guys break up with me, they act weird. Every time. They always act strange. Like they are the ones who are like, yeah, let's break up. And then they half change their minds later. And then they act weird about it. Like they just can't do a clean break. I feel like that's just what guys do. It's very annoying, though. <laughs> Okay. Um, so Rachel's going to start us off by just telling us a little bit about Dostoevsky, which is a role that I gave to her because I want to talk about the story, but... And we're all going to talk about Dost. We're just going to talk about old Dost. Is that what mm -hmm. we're going to call him? D-bag. Now, we had Big D, Little D, yeah. and Teeny D from the, the Pride and Prejudice episodes. <laughs> what? This is Humongo D. <laughs> I don't know about that. Colossal. Theo, why would you dub me into saying that? <laughs> yeah, That's Theo, how could you? <laughs> Colossal D, Theo said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know what the I, yeah. I, I paid someone to make a deep fake of you <laughs> just for that mm -hmm. little clip. Um, yeah. Wait, we had three D's? Yeah. Darcy, his mm. dad, and his yeah, sister. Yeah, there was Mr. Darcy. Okay. And now we've got Dostoevsky, the grandfather, grandfather D. <laughs> Big Papa D. They're all in the same universe. Yeah. Audience, we're not going to go too deep into the life of Dostoevsky because we will be covering some of his more famous works later on, and we don't want to use up all the juice. In this episode. Yeah, there's limited juice. There's only so much juice you can wring yeah. out of this dead Russian guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty dry. Juiceless. In fact, his tombstone is engraved, minimal juice remaining. Warning, <laughs> warning, warning. Please juice other dead Russians. <laughs> <laughs> so he was born in 1821 and he died in 1881 and... He did not get on the Smucker's jar. Sorry It wasn't to say. even close. <laughs> How embarrassing. <laughs> So he liked to complain about how he wasn't from the nobility. Is she going to make me mad? He's the one who said it. <laughs> so he liked to complain that he wasn't from the nobility like the other top Russian writers. But and so when I was reading mm -hmm. it, I was like, oh, wow, you know, like he started from the bottom. Now he's here. That's amazing. But he didn't start from the bottom. <laughs> no, he was the son of wealthy people. Yeah, they were like upper middle class. His dad was a doctor and both of his family lines had money. They didn't own, his parents weren't like land-owning nobles, but his family had been nobilitized. Were they not? Because his father was killed by his own peasants. I think it's that they didn't own a lot of land or something. He was just complaining. His dad wasn't killed by the peasants, by the way. They were cleared. Jackie. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, peasants. But basically he was like, yeah, we, you know, I just, I had to scrabble my whole life to make money and I had to write so fast because I didn't have as much money as the other guys. And I was thinking, wow, good for him. He's like Charles Dickens, but no, he's not like Charles Dickens. He was also a rich Russian guy. He just wasn't as rich as the other guys. To be fair, being a doctor <laughs> back in those days was pretty much just being like a human plumber. I mean, you didn't really do a whole lot and you couldn't really fix a whole lot. 
lot. Human plumber. Yeah, I think it wasn't like a very glamorous job. Like today you're like, ooh, my son's going to be a doctor or a lawyer. And in those days it was like, you're just going to go like. <laughs> I don't know if that was the case in like 1800s Russia. <laughs> are, you, are you saying a human plumber because they're like getting the stuff yeah, out Yeah, normally your... hu- plumbers are not human. Well, are you saying like we have the <laughs> no, plumbing, plumbing in our humans. bodies? Inhuman plumbers. <laughs> That's the episode title. <laughs> Jackie's birthday episode, Inhuman Plumbers. They're basically all little Marios running around. Marios and Luigi's. Oh my gosh. Mario's a human. Yeah. He's a character. He's Italian. He's an- Italians can, <laughs> well, be, can humans, be humans, Jackie. Did you hear what Rachel just said? Yeah, he's a human even though he's Italian. No, I don't know. I mean, it's just uh, people just like produce fluids and then they die. And like, that's being a doctor. Sounds like a pretty passive approach to being a doctor. <laughs> Other people do things and die. That's what it's like to be a doctor. Give me my paycheck. As the only one of us who's been to medical school. I've been to medical school. Although Theo is a doctor. If that's the bar. Yeah. What do you think, Dr. Theo? Yeah, I'm the only one with a doctorate. Don't say anything. No, you're Rachel. not. No, you're not. Um. <laughs> nice try. So he started in the middle and now he's He started in the middle and he eventually he did have some gambling debts and he had a a little bit of a time scrabbling for money. But then by the end, he was doing great. So he was popular during his lifetime. Mm -hmm. Everyone was like, oh, my gosh, it's Colossal D. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, it's Humongo D. He was basically, I mean, he's basically Lil Wayne. Yeah. I don't know why I said that, like as though Lil Wayne is like somehow a really relevant person these days. Lil Wayne is your go-to for some reason. (laughs) I know. know. Think of a celebrity. Think of a celebrity. Uh, Lil Lil Wayne in 2006. Who's the most famous guy on earth? Lil Wayne. (laughs) He was the Lil Wayne of his time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, he wasn't Pushkin and he wasn't Tolstoy. He was Dostoevsky. He was, he was Lil Wayne. He was the other one. Yeah. Yeah. He did, he gave a speech at the, um, uh, I was going to say the erection of the Pushkin monument, which is the correct phrase, but I just feel like I shouldn't use After it. After calling yourself Ejacula. <laughs> and talking about big D's. Yeah, I guess so. It's her birthday episode. We have to go where she takes us. All right. We'll talk about this erection. What was so great about this erection? <laughs> uh, it was really, it was big. Oh, God. We're going to be reading about the human centipede. What if I just like open this up and a I have human like, centipede? Yeah, man, I, I really wasted my chance to make you guys watch that. I'm never going to watch the human centipede. I would quit the pod before I watch the human centipede. I know. I've <laughs> never watched it either, actually. So, Do they show it in the movie? I don't know. I've never seen it. Yeah. Or do they just suggest it? No, they definitely show it. I know they do. Um, I mean, he yeah. Dostoevsky shows it, but with words. Like, it's a more of a show-don't-tell kind of thing. Oh, my gosh. Jackie's so confused. Did you read the right thing? There's no human centipede in this. No, all I'm saying is that so Pushkin was, like, the most famous Russian poet, probably. And then when they put up the big monument to him, um, Dostoevsky read this very moving speech. And, like, everybody went crazy over it. And if he had been living today, that would have been— It would be like Lil Wayne at the Jay-Z monument. No, it would be like <laughs> Lil Wayne dies and has a monument. <laughs> erected and Lil Wayne gives this passionate speech and all the Lil Waynes in the audience clap. <laughs> and all the littler Waynes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was popular. So yeah, go ahead, Rachel. So he was a Russian Orthodox man. He's all about Russian Orthodoxy, all about God. He wrote this whole thing where he's like, here's three kinds of Christianity. Protestantism, it's got some problems. Catholicism also has problems. Russian Orthodoxy, this is the real deal. Like, this is how Christianity is supposed to be. Oh. We should make that meme of Drake, but just put two Drakes and they're both doing that. And then, the and then that's like, Dostoevsky. <laughs> I mean, yeah, basically, yeah. that's the, the summary of his essay. <laughs> but instead of 
of Drake, I'm going to make them all Lil Wayne. Oh, no. <laughs> That's going to get very confusing. <laughs> so he was, like, very religious, but he also had many mistresses. I'm wondering how he squares that. I don't know that much about Russian Orthodoxy, but I know that that's not allowed. I feel like being of a certain religion doesn't stop you from having flaws or I do think that if you are constantly having these huge flaws, you shouldn't be going on and on like, oh my gosh, I love this religion. It's the best one. Like, you've all got to do this. And if everyone did this, the world would be amazing. <laughs> and then he's not even doing it. Yeah, he kind of strayed from it. He, he was kind of a loose interpreter of it, I guess. But he also had very bad epilepsy. Yeah, well, he just had epilepsy, so he would have these different seizures and stuff. But he would describe it as, like, some people call it ecstatic epilepsy. He would feel this overwhelming, like, rapturous joy and feel like at one with the universe and hyper self-aware right before the seizure hit, which other people have described as well. Was it like diagnosed during his lifetime that he had epilepsy or was epilepsy a thing? At yeah, no, they knew about it. I mean, I think yeah. they would call it like fits at the time, but he also wrote several major characters into his novels and stories who also had epilepsy. He had a son who died of epilepsy. So I think there was probably something genetic going Let's on. Let's exhume oh, that guy for your birthday. And yeah. Get in there, Jackie. Get in those genes. Ooh. No, there's no juice left, though. I don't <laughs> need the juice. the juice on that. Okay. He, he very clearly throughout his life, it was obvious that his religion was very meaningful to him and brought him a lot of comfort throughout various hardships. The main hardship, which Jackie's like, you have to talk about this. What she wanted me to talk about was that he was, he was basically like a member of a literary club and they would read stuff that was critical of the czar and they all got convicted of like treason or something. And, you know, they were put in prison, convicted, taken out to a firing squad, like had the bags put on their heads. They had to say their last rites, whatever. And then right when they're about to be shot, the czar rides up or some messenger from the czar is like, oh, uh, <laughs> I don't think it was the czar himself. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> I had nothing else to do today. <laughs> no, a messenger from the czar rides up and he's like, uh, yeah, so your sentences have been commuted and you're not going to get killed anymore. You have to go to prison for six, no, for four years. Four years. And then you have to join the army for an indeterminate amount of time, which ended up being six years. Gosh. Them thinking they were going to be executed was part of the punishment. It wasn't that the czar was like thinking it over until the last second. He was like, I'm going to have you ride up right at the end. Whoa. Yeah. It's a form of psychological torture. Yeah, it is for sure. I'm anti-torture. Yeah, me too. Okay. Jackie. Jackie. We hate torture in all of its forms. All of its forms? But pro-human centipede? All of its forms. Okay. She's turning 30, turning over a new leaf. She's anti-human centipede now. Yeah, I'm done with the human centipede. I have a new thing I have to bring up all the time. <laughs> oh, great. I wonder what that's going to be. Okay, so while he was in prison, other prisoners commented on like, oh, you know, he was this great guy. He would help us out and like give us extra food. And he was treated as, you know, super dangerous because of, I don't know, being so comforted by God or something. But anyway, he eventually got out of there. <laughs> and, you know, that's all I think we need to say about his life. Let's talk about the story. If you're curious to hear more mm -hmm. about him, do not look him up online. Listen to our future episodes. Oh, I had one thing I was going to say. <laughs> okay. This was the funny thing. Yeah. So Dostoevsky really liked the writer uh, Nikolai Gogol. And when his first book was published, one Russian read it and said, a new Gogol has appeared. <laughs> and then another Russian in response said, with you, Gogols spring up like mushrooms. Oh, I thought it was funny enough just to a say, new Gogol a, has like appeared. I thought of it like a wild Gogol has appeared. Well, I think that is funny, but I think it's funny for someone to be like, ugh. 
you and your Googles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This guy thinks everybody's a new Google here, Google there. <laughs> Jackie thinks everybody is the Lil Wayne of whatever. With you, Lil Wayne's spring up like mushrooms. That's funny. Like mushrooms. <laughs> also, I think Dostoevsky, not handsome at all. Sorry. What? No, not sorry. at all. Yeah. I don't want to look him up. Theo's like, there's got to be something good about him. I did ask myself, would I have been in love with him just on the strength of like knowing what he wrote? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You don't know? You don't know? I'm looking at the cover of the photo. I'm trying to decide. Yeah, maybe I would have been. Whoa. Maybe I would have said I can look past that weird frail beard that you have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a weird beard. Theo's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, okay. I, I have to agree with you guys. No redeeming features on this man. I feel bad. Are you looking at young him or old him? Because they really look exactly the same, except the beard just gets longer. <laughs> it's not great. Not a lot to work with. Yeah. Someone maybe should have told him not to do that, but there might have been a religious reason. I don't know. Maybe he just thought it was cool. Maybe it was just the thing to do in Russia at the time. Maybe his chin was really bad and he was trying to hide it. Let's talk about the story that Jackie loves so very, very Let's much. Talk about the story. So, I mean, I started reading Dostoevsky in high school, and I don't really remember why. I think I probably just heard of somebody that liked him and I was like I want to be like that person some gay guy you had a crush on I'm sure honestly most likely <laughs> that's probably a 99% of my personality is just based out of that but I think I read this story for the first time in high school and I read it again yesterday and was like hmm I wonder if I still like this as much and I think that I do but I think I have a lot of thoughts about it so I'm excited to share but there's not a ton of plot it's a pretty simple story it's pretty short so the dream of a ridiculous man is about an unnamed narrator and he's just kind of called the ridiculous man. Like if you read, you know, any articles about the story, that's, you know, how we refer to him. And it starts out and says, I am a ridiculous man. And he just kind of introduces this idea that he's been ridiculous his entire life. He's aware of it. Everybody knows it. He first realized he was ridiculous at about the age of seven. He doesn't say what caused him to realize this. He just said it was at seven. And then I went to school and every moment of my studies henceforth has served to prove to me how absurd of a person I am. Yeah, I really wanted him to give me some examples, but he never did. <laughs> he never gave any examples. Yeah, I think so. That's one problem with the story, I think, is that it's not the greatest prose, but there are parts of it that are really good prose. But this is primarily like a philosophical story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you explain to me what ridiculous means? <laughs> Sorry. Not, not, I just mean like a ridiculous man. Like what does that mean? Like worthy. I think for him it means like worthy of ridicule. Like someone who okay. is not highly esteemed. Saying silly things and okay. making faux pas. Or yeah. Whatever. Like someone who's not highly thought of or not respected. He says everyone is constantly laughing at him if that helps Theo. And this is all over every one of Dostoevsky's short stories and novels. There's always this idea of a like... A ridiculous man. Yeah, they're like basically usually the protagonist or like the speaker is someone who's like getting made fun of all the time. And then the people in power are like these terrible tyrants who are just like existing to torment him. But so this guy starts out this way and he says, well, and I used to be really sad about it, but I'm not anymore. And then I'll kind of tell you why. Yeah, he says, actually, he's like, I love everyone. And in fact, I love the people who laugh at me even more than anyone else. Yeah. And I don't really know why, but here's what I think the reason is. All of his stories are very like psychological, so kind of just wrapped up in whatever speaker's brain. But I thought one funny thing was that he says, so when he was very young, like a young man, like teenager, maybe he was 
very upset at the idea of being ridiculous, but it wasn't just the idea that he was ridiculous. It was that he knew that he was, but he had too much pride to say that he knew that he was. So that was like the primary source of his consternation. That he just couldn't admit how ridiculous he was. It's like maybe like class clowns or something. Like they don't want to admit that they have problems. So they just like, or like people who start podcasts, they just kind of like are funny on the surface. But inside we're ridiculous and we won't admit it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But he started to chill out about it a little bit um, as he got a little bit older. And he realized because he was growing more and more nihilistic that nothing mattered. And so he stopped kind of worrying about everybody laughing at him and him being ridiculed all the time because he decided nothing really exists and it doesn't make any difference to him. And he repeats that over and over. This doesn't make any difference to me either way. So he floats through life for a while. So it's not just that nothing matters. He also thinks that maybe nothing exists. Yeah. So it cuts to November 3rd is the night of this all happening. It's like a terrible night with terrible weather. It's funny that this is my birthday story because this kind of takes place on Rachel's birthday because it becomes the early morning of November 4th. I know. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. It's special. So, but this terrible night, super cold, rainy, disgusting, cloudy. He goes to like the house of an acquaintance and he sits there the entire night saying nothing, like doesn't open his mouth one time. And they're talking about like some like fashionable, like political topic. And the only time he ever says anything is to just say, my dear fellows, you don't really give a damn about it, do you? And they laugh and laugh. Yeah, they think it's so funny. But he says, I could tell they didn't really care about it, but they were just acting as though they cared about it. But have you ever gotten that sense yourself? I feel like this did kind of make sense. Like, you can tell that people are, like, passionately arguing, like, their opinions on one side or the other, and you're like, neither of you actually care about this, right? I feel Hmm. like usually there's one person, I mean, in my experience, I'm usually arguing and then I can tell that the other person doesn't actually care and then that makes me mad. I'm not (laughs) just like, oh, whatever. Like whenever Steven's devil's advocating, I'm like, why are you doing this to me? (laughs) Well, it was like when when Steven and your dad were like talking about theology and stuff and I was like so uncomfortable and you were like, don't worry, neither of them care. I mean, they care, (laughs) but it doesn't bother them, I guess. Hmm. That's kind of the difference. (laughs) Yeah. So, but he says that and everybody laughs and laughs and he... He is walking home and he looks up. Also, he's been wanting to kill himself for a long time. He has the gun Mm -hmm. and he's just like, every time I'm going to do it, I just realize like, I'm going to wait till I want to do it. Like, I kind of want to, but I don't really. I just don't care about it. So that's why I keep not killing myself. I'm waiting to want to do it, and then I'm going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, weird, weird, weird stuff. So it's this, like, super cloudy night, but he looks up, and through the clouds, he's able to see one tiny, tiny star. And it's described very cutely. It's like a small little tiny star just twinkling, and he looks at it, and he's like, aha. This is the sign. I'm definitely going to do it tonight. That's so the sign. very dark. Wow. But he's thinking this and he's like, okay, well, that was my sign. I'm going to go home and do it. Tonight's the night. But as he's walking home, he's accosted in the street by this tiny little girl. She's wearing just a thin little dress and nothing on her feet. And she's, or no, sorry, her torn little boots and it's raining and she's all cold. And she's like shivering so hard. He can't even understand what she's saying. And she's saying something about like something has happened to her mother and she needs help. And he just like keeps walking, like doesn't do anything for her. And she follows him and she's tugging on his sleeve even more. And then he gets like irritated at her and shrugs her off and like shouts at her basically and like makes her go away mm-hmm. because he's like, I'm about to like be off of this earth. Like there's none of this is my business. Like I don't matter. None of this matters. Yeah, he's like, as soon as I kill myself, it's entirely possible this girl won't exist anymore. 
Yeah. So what's the point? So he goes home and he gets into his rooms and he sits in the armchair and he like gets the gun out and he's just looking at it. We should put a big trigger warning for suicide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This. We're going to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm trying not to talk about this as though it's funny. It's not funny, but um, so anyway, but he's looking at it and he feels irritated. He was like, I was all resolved to do this tonight, but then now I feel guilty about how I treated that little girl. And that sucks because I'm not supposed to feel guilty because if nothing mattered, then why would I feel guilty? So he starts to like kind of question his nihilism a little bit, but he's he's not feeling happy at all. He just feels irritated that he has these thoughts that something might matter. Yeah. And while he's thinking about it, he falls asleep in his chair and he spends a lot of time being like, it's so crazy because I never sleep in that chair. I know. That's <laughs> he what says multiple say. times like this is so weird. I never fall asleep in that chair. <laughs> it's like when someone's telling a story and they're like, and you know, and then the craziest thing happened because this never happens i saw a bluebird yeah and it's like all right like that's pretty <laughs> you know? normal actually yeah you go and sit in a in a comfy armchair in your dark apartment with a single candle lit yeah sounds like a recipe to stay awake all night right? yeah <laughs> well he says every night he sits up all night that's all he does he doesn't sleep at night he says in the daytime he gets up and does his work so i'm like when do you sleep are you a vampire like but he was still like shocked that he fell asleep on this night yeah most of the rest of the story is him saying and then here's the dream that i had while i was in the so chair he falls asleep and he had resolved that he was going to shoot himself in the head, but in the dream, he picks up the revolver and he shoots himself in the heart and he dies. And so he hears like his landlady screaming and like people running in, people taking him out of the house and he has his funeral and he's put in the coffin and buried in the ground and that's it. And he's thinking like, well, this sucks. Why am I still thinking things? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I didn't plan on still being conscious. So he's just sitting there bored for like eons and eons, it seems like and then the only thing that ever happens is something starts dripping onto his left eyelid and it just drips 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 and he's like okay there's got to be something else to this so he utters some type of prayer to some type of being and just says like please let anything happen do you want to paraphrase this prayer rachel because i don't know that i can uh let me see but when I first read this as a teenager, like the idea that when you die, you might just be still aware, but just bored in a coffin forever with something dripping onto your eyeball. Like, oh my God, isn't that the worst possible thought? That's a pretty bad one. Yeah. It sounds like torture. I'm anti-torture. <laughs> he says basically, all right, if there's anything out there and it's possible for anything else to happen to me, can you please just make it happen right now? But if you're trying to get revenge because I killed myself, let me just tell you, like, you might be torturing me, but nothing could be worse than the contempt I feel for myself. And it works because yeah. a mysterious <laughs> <Ta -da>. being. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is, an angel or something. I don't know how to conceptualize this. He doesn't really describe it. Just something comes and takes him out of his grave and is like, whoop. And he hates it. He hates it and flies with him to space. And so I wrote, this was kind of funny. He's gone through his whole life, killed himself, gone into the grave, realized that there is life after life, and he thinks it to himself, and he says, you know, just like you do in dreams, you realize something crazy, but it doesn't really emotionally strike at you, I guess. So he thinks, okay, so there is an afterlife, and this is it, and I hate it. Yeah. And he looks at the creature that's carrying him, and he's like, it's laughing at me. This thing is laughing at me. 
and he falls into like the same old ways. <laughs> and he also says something like how it, its face looked human, but that he just really hated it. Yeah. He says to it, you know, I'm afraid of you and that's why you despise me. And then he's like, why did I say such a humiliating thing? Yeah. He's like, I can't believe I just admitted that. <laughs> As he's flying through space in the afterlife with what is probably an angel, yeah. <laughs> he still can't just like chill out. And it also doesn't, it doesn't say anything back. And he's like, oh my gosh, it's laughing at me now. Yeah. <laughs> but he suddenly like somehow gets a sense that like actually it's not laughing at him and nothing is. Like it doesn't really care about him. Right. But he realizes that this journey he's on is actually going to be meaningful instead of meaningless. And it says that fear strikes him when he thinks that. Yeah. So they fly on and on and they pass away from the earth and they go through all these constellations and stuff. And I'm just going to like bring you out of this every once in a while back to like 15 year old Jackie, 16 year old <laughs> me just like reading this. And I'm like, ooh, it's Russian and we're in space. Like he's talking about the constellations. Perfect. Perfect. At one point he says to the angel, he sees a star and he's like, I didn't want to say this, but I, I said like, oh, is that serious? And then immediately he says to himself, oh, you're so stupid. Why did you say something? Now you don't seem he's cool like, I was anymore. trying not to yeah. ask any questions. <laughs> yeah. You lost the upper hand. <laughs> and what he says is like trying to seem impressive by saying like, uh, is oh, that yeah. the name of like the only star I know? And then the creature's like, no, yeah, not at all. That's <laughs> not serious. <laughs> it's, it's not that serious, bro. Oh, it's like not that. that serious. Yeah. Not so, serious. but they fly on and on and eventually he sees a little star. Could it be the same little star he was looking at before? And he realizes through some indescribable dream logic that as they get closer to it, it's the sun. It's an exact replica of our sun. And he's like, the sun, I miss that. That's our sun. That's the one that lights our world that created everything. And then they get a little closer and he's like, and there's the Earth. But it's not my Earth. It's the same thing, but a different one. He's like, it's a replica. How is this possible? And then this is my favorite part of the whole story. What, do you, what did you think about this part, Rachel, before we describe it? Oh, I mean, I don't know which part you're about to say. You gotta, you this is my favorite well, it's part. The part. What did you think just, before okay. I tell you what my favorite part is? <laughs> I just thought you would know. So he's describing the earth and all of a sudden he just like feels this overwhelming like nostalgia and joy and sorrow and like all of these intense emotions at once. And he thinks, how could it be? How could there be another like what I had? The earth is nothing like anything else that's out there. Mm -hmm. Does this earth also have suffering? Like, do they understand sorrow? Because I just want to like read the whole thing because he says, suddenly a strange feeling of some great and sacred jealousy blazed up in my heart. How is such a repetition possible and why? I love, I can only love the earth I've left behind, stained with my blood when, ungrateful wretch that I am, I extinguish my life by shooting myself through the heart. But never, never have I ceased to love that earth, and even on the night I parted from it, I loved it perhaps more poignantly than ever. Is there suffering on this new earth? On our earth, we can truly love only with suffering and through suffering. We know not how to love otherwise. We know no other love. I want suffering in order to love. I want and thirst this very minute to kiss with tears streaming down my cheeks the one and only earth i have left behind i don't want i won't accept life on any other here's the thing about that it's nice <laughs> prose yeah. but the character as soon as he says that i'm like where do you get off talking about how great suffering and love yeah. is you just went on and on about how there, nothing has any meaning and also he says like i would never ever accept life on any other earth i've got to have that sweet sweet suffering and then he goes to this earth without suffering and he accepts a life there and he loves it <laughs> 
I think that's the best prose in all of it. I do think it would have been a little better if he had set up the beginning of the story in such a way as to make us feel a little more empathy for him. Mm. Like if he had had a little more character development instead of just being a turd yeah. and then being like all of a sudden, oh, I love everything. Yeah, and lecturing like, this happen? angel, this angelic being about like, <laughs> you don't understand how good our earth is. It's because of the depth of our love and our suffering. But I think he's not supposed to be thought of as right. You know, we get to the rest of the story. Yeah. So, but that's what he says. And so he realizes that the person or thing that's been flying with him is gone. And he's landed on this earth. And he's, I think, somewhere in the Greek Isles. Like, he's not in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, no, first of all, that's why you like this earth a whole lot better. Because now you're in Greece instead of in <laughs> Moscow. <Right. laughs> like, that's your problem right there. He's like, oh, the ocean was sparkling and there were all these flowers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should move. Maybe you have seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, you have sad. But so he lands on this island and everybody there, there's people and they are all like children of the earth, basically. They're so hot. Yeah, they're so hot. <laughs> they're all just happy all the time. They give birth and grow up and die and commune with like the animals and the stars and the trees. And yeah. everything that they do is just done with the most rapturous love and even when they die they don't really get sad about it they just celebrate even more because they're like we're one with the universe now and when we die we're even more one with the universe and it's awesome yeah and he also says like yeah these guys definitely had sex but there was no sensuality so it was better <gasps> yeah oh my gosh yeah. you know, it's your utopia <laughs> he really says that <laughs> yeah yeah he does he says they knew love and they like procreated but there wasn't any no sensuality, sensuality to it which kind of makes me wonder like how Theo asked what did ridiculous mean I I wonder what he means by sensual in this sense yeah, right. I think he's he's saying like there was no lust they would just have sex for some reason and that that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> like amoebas no wait amoebas are asexual I yeah, don't even know why I said that they have sex just like amoebas <laughs> <laughs> they just replicate <laughs> but so he's saying like there, and there's no jealousy and everyone raises all the kids together and they all speak the same language and they all have the same religion and like yeah. Nobody owns things and they don't lie and everyone loves everyone equally. They're all friends with the animals and the animals trust them because they know they won't hurt them. And he says they they talk to the trees and they talk to the stars and they talk to the animals, but not in like a metaphorical way. He says like there's reason to believe that they actually communicated, like they were that deeply connected. And they will sing songs about like how great the other people are. Yeah. So he's like every night they get together and they write these songs and they're like kind of childish but they're awesome. And it's just now this is the complimenting <laughs> their friends. <laughs> they have to write songs yeah, about every people night, every night. Complimenting their friends through song. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, the songs where they complimented their friends were so beautiful." Really? Yeah. Passionless sex, great. Having to write songs, awful. Yeah. <laughs> kind of evens out. <laughs> yeah, well, you wouldn't really have to do any super hard work because the animals kind of just like come and give you their milk and like the bees produce honey and you eat the plants. Yeah, and then you just eat fruit and have the milk the animals provide. So this is what Greece is like? Today, yeah. Yeah. Present day Greece. <laughs> I've never been. <laughs> Passionless sex, animals freely giving their milk. <laughs> well, and think about it. You would have to write songs about your friends being great, but every night they would write songs about you being great too. Yeah, but those wouldn't be as good. <laughs> Yeah, Theo could never live in this utopia. <laughs> Theo deserves to stay in Moscow. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> they wouldn't be as good. That's the thing, Theo. In this society, no song is any better than anyone else's song. Okay, that actually sounds 
like my hell. But they're really good. They're all really good. Yeah, all the songs are great. Yeah, but don't you think you would get tired of great? <laughs> Sometimes you got to hear really bad. You need suffering for love, Jackie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Theo's the ridiculous man. <laughs> yeah, I think Theo should read the story, but... Um, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that would have been so nice. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the only thing I wanted was for you two to read the story. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was back and forth between other stories as well. So, okay. Basically, so he just spends a lot of time talking about how great they are. Things were great. And he's like, yeah, so I'm back in the regular world now. And I tell everyone about this. And I'm like, listen to these details. And everyone laughs and says, there's no way you would have such a detailed dream. You must have just made that up. And he's like, no, I really saw all this. And in fact, like, I can't even say anything else. And also, I don't even think it was a dream. I think that I really went there. Yeah. He says a lot of stuff like, well, maybe it was a dream. And maybe I filled in things with my memory like you do with dreams. But how does that make it not real? And I'm like, well, (laughs) easily. Yeah, but then he's like, listen, if it it was a dream, I wouldn't have come up with this terrible thing I did. And he's like, and this is the part I don't tell anyone when I'm talking about this. Yeah. I corrupted them all. And then that section ends. Yeah, I ruined the whole world. Yeah. Oh, with sensuality? Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay, so I wrote actually- Wait, that's what he just says, I corrupted them all, but doesn't give any examples? No, he does. It goes to the next section of the story. But it ends with, I corrupted them all. He tells you how it starts, and then he says how each thing led to the next thing, and then it ends with disaster. So I'm just going to give you the list of what he says happened. So basically he says, somehow he introduced to them the idea idea of lying. Like it might have just been a joke or something he said in jest, but either way, they started to understand that there was such a thing as lies and they liked it. They liked it. And they became voluptuous. Theo understands that. (laughs) Not the voluptuousness, the liking lying. (laughs) This is the third example of a time where I'm like, what did he mean by that? (laughs) Because when I hear voluptuous, I just hear like they got sexy and curvy. That's what it means, like sensuousness. How does learning how to lie make that happen? He doesn't really explain. He just says he contaminated the world like a germ. Yeah, like somehow just his dark nature that he thought he had under control by being there wasn't under control. Somehow it corrupted them. Their hips never lied, but the rest of them did. So yeah, so like Jackie said, it started with like a jest. But then falsity came into their hearts and then they had sensuality and that sensuality begot jealousy and the jealousy begot cruelty. And then all of a sudden they started, there was yeah, they started killing each other. Oh, God. And then when they started killing each other, they said, this is horrifying. So they formed alliances against one another. And then there were recriminations and then they discovered the idea of shame. And then they, disgui- they decided that shame is a virtue that you should have. And then they came up with honor and then they started abusing the animals and the animals ran away from them and weren't their friends anymore. They started moving to different places and they developed different languages and became isolated. They discovered sorrow. And science. And science. <laughs> that terrible thing. <laughs> they discovered suffering and they decided that you can only discover truth through suffering. Then they came up with the ideas of justice and brotherhood and humanity, which were all just like offshoots of all the problems that they had because they had no use for those concepts before. And out of those concepts came the idea of crime and punishment and guillotines were erected. And then they had knowledge and science, and they decided that they knew what they had lost, but they didn't care about it because they decided what they had gained was better. Mm. They said, I feel like this is like one of the key things from the story. Knowledge is higher than feeling, and the consciousness of life is higher than life. So all they had before was life, but now what they have is awareness of their life. So they feel like that's better. 
But so then they discovered loving themselves as opposed to loving other people. And then slavery started existing. And then saints popped up and they started martyring the saints. And then wars happened and then religions began. And that was kind of like the top of shit mountain was when religion started, (laughs) which is funny to me because of how religious he was. It almost seemed to me like what he was trying to say is that we shouldn't need religion. We should just like all be able to be great to each other. But because we can't, we need this framework. And that's what the brothers Karamazov was saying. So we might Mm. get to that at some point. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. He wants them to execute him because he was the cause of their fall, like capital F fall. And they're like, no, you're being crazy. Like, we like this better. We're better off the way we are. Like, stop talking crazy. And I think they don't even really believe that the world he's talking about ever existed anymore. They're like, come on, that would be nice. But I don't think it really happened. Yeah. So he's saying, kill me because of what I've done. And they laugh at him, but he keeps saying it over and over again. And they start saying, oh, this guy's crazy. And they decide they want to institutionalize him. And just when they're about to do that, it says he he got he grief took possession of his heart and he felt like he were dying. And then he woke up back in the real world. And it's 6 a.m. on November 4th, which is Rachel's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> And he jumps out of the chair. Very Scrooge-ish of him. Yeah, this part I was like, did he take this from Dickens? Like, was a Christmas story written first? Because he saw his own funeral. I'll look it up while you tell about the plot. So he jumps out of his chair and he's like, I want to live. I want to preach. I want to preach all the time and tell everybody what I saw and that it's possible. And then I'm like, well, but the ending of that story was super sad. Like, are you not sad about that part? But it seems like he kind of, I mean, he thinks about that part clearly because he said, like, I think about it and I don't tell anybody that detail. But he tells everybody about the beginning of it and how great it was. So I'm like, "Mm, you're kind of like burying the lead there. Like, you know that there's problems with this idea. So Christmas Carol came out like 35 years before this. So he may have Uh lifted a little little something. Oh, Oh my gosh. This could be a little Scroogey kind of guy. Yeah, it could be a Scrooge. Could be a little Scroogey kind of (laughs) guy. So he says, you know, everybody tells me that I'm ridiculous and they laugh at me, but I don't care about that anymore because I know that I know the truth and they don't. And when they tell him it was just a dream, he says, what about our life? Is that not a dream too? He says, how simple it all is. In one day, in one hour, everything could be arranged at once. The main thing is to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the main thing and that is everything for nothing else matters. And then the last line is, I found the little girl and I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Hmm. So he's, he's totally changed now. He loves life and he just goes around trying to preach to everyone like this is what humans are capable of and we should all be trying to achieve it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what the heck? This is so much like a Christmas carol. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? <laughs> but I read this first. Like it's it's even <laughs> like a but I read this. There's first. even a, a young tot, a poor tot. Yeah, there, there's like a little child, little poor child or whatever. I, I think she was poor, right? She had boots or something. Yeah, she was poor. There's some sort of angel creature that leads him to the place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's in the winter and it's like a gross day outside. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the ridiculous guy keeps saying humbug. Did you say that? I can't remember if you said that. <laughs> he could. He probably said it in Russian. Yet. <laughs> I'm going to look up humbug That's Russian in Russian. Humbug. That's the only thing I can say. I'm going to find it. Obman. <laughs> ah. There, so 
thoughts about this. On the one hand, I'm like, of course I like this as a teenager because this is so simple and utopian. And it's like, whoa, radical idea, man. Like all we got to do is like love each other and whatnot and everything will be fine. It's very much like kind of hippie sci-fi. Yeah. Teenagers love the idea of being like the only one who gets it. So I can see why this appealed to me. But even now I read it and I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't want to be a grump. It's just really sweet. It's a good idea. He's right. If we did that, things would be better. He's right. Yeah. If we loved each other. Yeah. In all of its forms. Sorry, Theo, but yeah, if we loved love in all of its forms, yeah, things would be a lot better. Uh-huh. If everybody behaved that way, but that's the thing. You just think about it and you're like, but it's so impossible because of all the differences and this and that and all of the blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, all people have to do is just decide in themselves that they're going to love everyone just as much as they love themselves. And then all of a sudden we would have this paradise. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, interesting that he says that because he doesn't come to the conclusion that, like, all you have to do is join the Russian Orthodox Church <laughs> and believe in Christ. Well, I think that he thinks that the state of everyone loving everyone is, like, what God originally wanted us to have. Yeah, this is a very biblical story. Religion is supposed to help us achieve that state, but if we had that state, of course, we wouldn't have religion. Yeah, He's saying, basically, that the religion is the water and we all need to just dive into the ocean. Yeah. Hmm. We need to just be surrounded by it. It doesn't need to be, like, a thing that we have. We need to be the Gogol mushrooms and religion should be the loamy forest from whence we spring. We need to be popping up everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Dostoevsky. What a weird thing to write. Yes. You think so? I think this is a good story if you're like, I wonder what the themes of Dostoevsky's work are. You could read this and you'll be like, oh, okay, so this is his deal. Yeah, every single one is here. Mm. (laughs) It's just like a much shorter, more straightforward way of him saying, this is my deal, everyone. You've been asking what my deal was. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah, like if you don't have the money for the full, like, you know, 100 level intro course to Dostoevsky, just read this. That's all you need. But I have to say, I don't think it's his best work. No, I don't think so either. And I don't think that this short story needs to be in the canon. I do think it's something where I would say, if you haven't read Dostoevsky, it's 10 pages. Just read it. And then at least you will have read something. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not, Theo? Why not? (laughs) I I know. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why? What could possibly (laughs) make someone not? And I'm sure, you know, there's all these like weird little kids who would get a kick out of this, just like Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) Weird little kids popping up like Gogol mushrooms. Well, so do I think it needs to be in the canon? No, I also don't think it's his best work. Like, but it's just... It's it's meaningful to you. It is. But also, like, there's nothing really that's... Nothing else that's short enough that you could, like, put in a literature textbook. I mean, I guess you could put, like, one chapter from, like, The Brothers Karamazov, or you could, like... He had a lot of short stories. He did, but, like, some of them were more like novellas. And, like, his truly short... Like, you could read The Gambler... Like, that was a novella. Yeah. White Knights, like, also was not that good of a story, but, like, I liked it. You love the adaptation. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, like Rachel said, I mean, it's got pretty much absolutely every major theme that you could want. And I feel like for high schoolers, which is basically what we're talking about here, this is probably the best Dostoevsky option I would pick for them. I don't think I would make them read an 800-page novel. So basically, it seems like you're saying if you're a teacher who wants students to read Dostoevsky— your options are either one chapter from something else 
or this story. And then if you read this story, you can kind of talk about how it relates to themes in his other works. I mean, there are other options. Like you could have them read a whole novel or something, but I just feel like that would take But that forever. wouldn't be a good idea. And I think they would hate Dostoevsky if you did that. Also, like you'd have to have so much background knowledge in just like what Russian culture was like, because he still uses a lot of like Russian words. And yeah, yeah. I feel like as a teenager, I was like constantly looking things Honestly, up. Honestly, I think it would actually be better to just have middle schoolers read A Christmas Carol. And then in college, they can read Dostoevsky. <laughs> I just think that it has the same vibe, but it's a lot funnier. <laughs> and they're more familiar with it. So I, I do think that yeah. I think Dostoevsky is the kind of thing where, yeah, college students should read the book. And, mm-hmm. you know, the occasional weird high schooler would benefit. <laughs> but I don't think... The first thing th- I read was The Idiot, which was like probably the weirdest thing for a high schooler to start with. I've got to know who got you on this Dostoevsky kick. Have you read that? Uh, probably a long time ago. I read a lot of Dostoevsky in high school and undergrad. Yeah. Why is it that young kids like this weird, serious author? Because we think, oh, a Russian. That's deep. Like, that's the coolest thing to like. <laughs> but why wouldn't we pick, like, Anna Karenina or something? I think Dostoevsky has this persona of being like kind of grim you know i think he does and so it's like the more grim it is the cooler it is to be like oh i'm a teen girl and this is what i like i don't like twilight yeah i like the idiot (laughs) i like the brothers karamazov (laughs) not the brothers cullen like that kind of thing i do remember i was reading the brothers karamazov in college and a mormon came up to me i was sitting by the side of the dining hall and he was just like hey what are you reading and i was like uh, this this is what I'm reading. And they were like, what is it about? And I was like, I really don't want to tell you. <laughs> it's going to start a conversation. <laughs> I don't want to have. You say, I would prefer not to. How'd you know they were a Mormon? Name tag that said brother whatever. Uh, yeah, and it was like Cody and like some other person. No, it wasn't Cody. Cody but, was Mormon? Uh, oh, sorry. Why did I say Cody? I meant Zach. Zach and Zach. Cody. That's what the I said. Sweet life of Zach and Cody. The sweet life. I don't think that was it. <laughs> um, well, the audience doesn't know either of those people. I don't know why I said that. Unless they watch the Disney Channel, I guess. A lot of people watch that show. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think I like, I don't know, when someone asks me a question and I don't have time to think, I just answer the question. <laughs> I've never seen I've never at? seen the sweet life of Zach and Cody, but I love imagining that one of them is a Mormon. And that's like <laughs> part of the, or like that's like, yeah, the, like that's the, the tension, central tension. Yeah, the main Makes the yeah. sitcom work. <laughs> like, Cody just won't stop trying to convert Zach. <laughs> like, we're both eight. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> like I said, if someone asks me a question and I don't have time to think, I'm just going to answer the question. So when they asked me what it was about, I was like, well, the idea is how, like, you need religion in order to be a good person. <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> yeah. Like, Why did I say that? <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm still thinking. Do, do you have a religion? No. I'm thinking about this Zach and Cody thing, <laughs> which is that. That the Disney's execs would be like, okay, so you've got these two twin boys and they live in a hotel. That's not enough of a hook. We need something else. Like, what's really going to get the kids interested? One, one of, of them is Mormon. <laughs> yes. We've got a hit on our hands. Not both of them. Or, yeah, what if that was someone's original idea? Like, make them Mormon. And they were like, no. Too much, too far, make too far. Make one of them not yeah. Mormon. America's not ready for two Mormons. Like, when is there, I don't know, it seems highly <laughs> unlikely to me that there's a Mormon child living 
and alone in a hotel without their Mormon family. Well, he has his twin brother. But it seems very likely that there is a oh, child living alone well, in a hotel. I didn't realize they were twins. They're twins. They look the same. <laughs> we raised this one Mormon. We raised this one. It's a highly unethical human experiment. Yeah. <laughs> the experiment is what would happen if you had two twins and you raised one Mormon, one not, and then made them both live in a hotel. And filmed it. <laughs> yeah, no. you, you just can't keep them both in the same house because if you're not Mormon, then the kid you're raising Mormon isn't really going to be Mormon. And if you are Mormon, then the kid who's not Mormon isn't going to be not Mormon. I don't know if we know enough about Mormonism. <laughs> Jackie, I'm, I'm so confused. <laughs> See? Like, if you're they have to the live in a hotel kids... to be pristine. Otherwise, the experiment will be contaminated. <laughs> yeah, because if you're raising the kids, like they're going to grow up however the parents are. And you can't have the parents be both not Mormon one and Mormon. Mormon. Well, the parents can... are out of the picture. They're just in a hotel room for... That's what I'm saying. That's why they made that choice. Oh, <laughs> they put I them see. in the hotel so they couldn't be contaminated by the outside world of parents. The problem is yeah. their mom also lived in the hotel. Just in a different room? Uh, no, I think they I think they all lived in a suite. I think that's where the suite comes from. See, that's sad. I feel like living in a hotel typically is sad. Unless it's like... Eloise lived in a hotel. I know. I loved yeah. Eloise. But she got to live she in like... She was a badass. <laughs> where did she live again? She lived in like... The plaza. The plaza. That's right. The plaza hotel. Yeah. Ugh. Eloise. Maybe we should cover Eloise. We should read yeah. one of those for a Patreon. I love Eloise. I just remember like her, her big bulging little belly and her socks that are always falling down and those suspenders that are never working right. What, was, what were they named? Skipperty was the turtle and the dog's name was what? What on earth are you I don't talking remember. about? You don't know Eloise? No, I don't know fucking Eloise. Okay, Weenie. I feel like that was for Skipperty girls. and Weenie. Oh, if you had said weenie. Yeah, then he would have gotten it. Yeah. <laughs> Skipperty was the turtle, weenie was the pug. No, my dad read Eloise when he was little, or his mom read it to him. So that's why we always knew about Eloise. Oh, I didn't know they were that old. I think so. Mm. And he read Madeline. Madeline's great. There are a lot of, like, naughty little girls. In these. There's, like, quite a litany of naughty little French girls. Amelie? Don't, don't say that phrase. I don't know about if you add in the French. Eloise was American. I know, but she had a French name. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> she had a, a French dog named Weenie. Ah, uh, yeah. O-U-I-N-I-E. I don't think he was French. No, it wasn't spelled like that. It was spelled with a W. <laughs> nice, Jack. <laughs> O-U-I-N-I, Weenie. That's pretty good. <laughs> in the French style. You know what? Just for that, I'm going to leave this whole conversation in. I'm not going to edit it out. <laughs> Just for that? Wow, yeah. I'm honored. Because of your joke about Weenie being a French name. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. That actually just made quite a bit more work for me because I have to edit it. You're Wait, welcome. you said thanks a lot that made more work, but you said it as though it were genuine. Thanks a lot. That actually made a lot of work. I love work. <laughs> I was going to be really directionless this week. But, yeah. <laughs> I hate free time. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Theo, I'm debating whether Theo would have liked that, that Eden on Earth or not because he loves work and he hates making up songs. Oh, gosh. They didn't really have but to do a lot of But he loves sexuality and he hates sensuality. Yeah. If Dostoevsky meant what I meant by it, which I'm still not sure what either of us meant, but <laughs> if that's true, then I would have loved that play. Yeah, let's say that he did. I'm also thinking like, you know, so like if you lie and like, you know, po why did I just say I almost said Pokemon? Like if you're a Pokemon and your nose grows, <laughs> if you're a Pokemon I meant like a Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> that is the famous trait of Pokemon. <laughs> Pikachu, use nose growth. Um, no, but so Pinocchio, right? But in his story, Pinocamon. he's saying they lie and they I just... I if we can get Steven to draw a Pinocamon. 
A Pinocchio Pokemon? I'm saying in this world, instead of lying and the nose grows, they lie and their whole body just becomes curvaceous. <laughs> the Pokemon? <laughs> no, she's saying because no, in the story, on the, on the in the story they lie and they become voluptuous. I, that is kind of a funny idea. I like that idea. In fact. I'm imagining it like an instant change. Yeah. Bam. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, well, pow. Like, oh, I kind of like this. And then they lie again. And eventually it'll be too much. Yeah. But. Yeah. They took it too far. Yeah. So you should lie like one time, maybe two, if you're going for the real bubbly look. But <laughs> other than that. Yeah. So I kind of like the idea. Well, I like I like thinking about how would I corrupt the world? Like <laughs> he did it with a lie. Like what thing yeah. would I use like, that would eventually- Put your own there? little personal flair on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What would you do to destroy this universe? What would you do so that I looked at that world and I thought that has Theo written all over it? Do you think it. if I just taught them curse words, that would be enough? Like they start being like, fuck- Fuck, um, I want to kill somebody. Yeah, I think. Like that. Like I mean, would, the fact that you just tried to insult me, but you said it very genuinely makes me think that wouldn't work. Oh. I feel like they would just be like, oh, fuck, loving. What? Happy. You know I can say a curse word all angry-like. He can do it, Jackie. He really can. Yeah. I know. Should I prove it or should I consider that my parents <laughs> listen to this? Prove no, it. No, it's my birthday. Prove Lindo it and one. bleep it out. We need some more bleeps. Shit. Another one. Butthole. So what I want you to do there is bleep, bleep, butt bleep. <laughs> bleep, bleep, butt bleep. I, I think you do have to bleep the hole. Leave in butt. Mm-hmm. Bleep yeah. the hole. But that leaves butt and then no one's going to know what you said after that. It could have been like. Some other kind of hole. Some other some other curse word. <laughs> yeah. Butt ass. <laughs> How did we both go there? <laughs> I think, well, I do think of, like butt shit. You're being is... such a butt ass right now. <laughs> that would destroy the world. Like butt shit is, that would clarify things. That's that's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. What type of shit do you have? You know, the usual. The butt kind. <laughs> <laughs> and if you say any other kind, that's a huge problem. <laughs> what kind of ass do you have? You know, the usual. The butt ass. The butt yeah. kind. <laughs> the, that just like makes me think of something that one of your characters would have said in like one of the stories you wrote as <laughs> like a Like a bully or like something. Like they would have thought that is a great intro. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. such a butt ass right now. <laughs> that's one of my favorite concepts that we've ever <laughs> The yeah. butt ass. That's the new human centipede. I can't picture it. Nope, 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 nope. I told you I'm over that. I'm mature now, didn't you know? I know, so swap in the butt ass. Swap in the butt ass. <laughs> what do we think she means by that? <laughs> so take out the human centipede as something you reference all the time, and now start referencing the butt ass. Oh, you said swap out, I th- but you meant swap No, swap in, in the butt ass. Swap out the human centipede. Well, so what I was having a debate about was when you marry into a family, what the other person was saying, it's another friend's boyfriend. Actually, it's her husband. But just for the purpose of continuity, I'm going to say, why do our all friends' Sorry, boyfriends always lost. like this? Okay. Start, okay, go she's ahead. She's saying the whom she's talking to is the boyfriend. Okay, go ahead. Um, saying that when you marry into a family... You're also marrying out of your own family. <laughs> and I was like, now, wait a second. I don't think that works. You just swap families. <laughs> so you're saying that your wife is now a part of your family and you're not. <laughs> and he was like, well, no, I, like I'm still in my family, but I married out and she married in. And I was like, but you also married into hers and she married out. And he was like, yeah. I was like, what? So he's in her family and she's in his family now. And I'm in her DMs. Yeah. <laughs> and you're in his family. You're in her DMs. I'm in her family and she's in my family. That's right. We're married. Everyone knows that's how marriage works. I miss my family. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was just in her DMs. <laughs> I'm jealous of you. <laughs> I could be in her DMs and still get to see my mom. Can you pass a message to my mom? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I. Like, that's crazy. Uh, Nobody thinks that. People will say, oh, you've married into the family, but they don't think that that means that you've married out of your own family. <laughs> you've lost your own yeah, family. Yeah, you just have two families Well, now. I was saying, can, well, can I tell you where this came from originally? So it's going to involve spoiling a movie I don't think either of you are ever going to watch. But Sixth Sense. Go ahead. Listeners, heads up. I'm about to spoil the movie. Um, fuck, what is it called? <sighs> Look this up. Hold on. If this is like a long wait for the human centipede. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be so mad. Be so mad. <laughs> Look, when you become a human centipede with someone, you're centipeding out of your family and into theirs. Oh, it's called Ready or Not. Okay, so this is a spoiler for the film Ready or Not, which was released in 2019. So if you haven't seen it yet, this is on you. But you um, got on my the, ass about the sixth sense last week. Yeah, you got on her butt ass. In fact. My butt ass. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie either. Someone was just telling it to me, but I'm so weirded out by it that now I'm telling it to you guys without even having seen it. So I already know about it. Tell it, girl. Okay. But so the premise of the movie is this woman really wants to get married to her boyfriend. And he's like, do we have to get married? And she's like, yeah, like I was adopted. I don't really like have a family. I really just want a real family. Like I want to be part of your family. And he's like, okay, fine. So they, so they get married and his family is like a dynasty of like board game makers. And so he says, it's tradition that whenever anyone marries into the family on the wedding night, we have to all play a game together. And it's the specific game his family has created. And it's like some kind of card game where you're like drawing all these different cards. And she draws a card. And apparently this is the card that he says, this doesn't happen all that often. It's the card that means when you draw it, the rest of the family, like you play hide and go seek. And the rest of the family has to find you and kill you. So <laughs> his new bride draws this oh, card. Unluckily. And like <laughs> has to. She's like, why didn't you tell me? And he goes, this hasn't happened for like 50 years. That's not that long. Especially it's not that. I mean, how often are people marrying into the family? Well, I guess kind of a lot if they're all dying <laughs> well that was my question so i was like well so do you mean do you mean only women marry in because men uh, women leave their family and go to the man's family and sh and they were like no it's it's just anytime anyone marries anyone and i was like what do you mean this doesn't happen that often like if that's a very good chance that my whole family's gonna have to kill you damn. the curse it, there's like some curse that means that if they don't do it the whole family dies so they kind of have to do this should have just played like scrabble or something right yeah. i know don't get married. For all the listeners out there, don't get married. Yeah, like. I think if I, if I knew that that was enough, <laughs> that that was on the table, and my fiance was like, "Oh, come on, I really want to get married," I would push back a lot harder to be like, "No, you don't." Well, there's a horrible thing that might happen, but it probably won't. There's only like a two percent chance that this will end in death. That's too high for me. Yeah, I wouldn't be interested. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a pretty bad premise for a movie. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying. It got pretty good reviews, actually. <laughs> well, what you don't know is I wrote it. Oh, wow. fuck. He feels like a real butt ass right now. <laughs> just took a butt shit all over that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you ready? Mm -hmm. What does the Fire the Cannon podcast and the second best poker hand you can be dealt in Texas Hold'em have in common? Uh, we're three diamonds. Theo, you want to guess? <laughs> We're all straight. <laughs> <laughs> Pair of kings, baby. That's right. We now have two king patrons. Woohoo! Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant two of us are kings, and I was like, well, then who the fuck is the third one? <laughs> Jackie and I are the kings. No, we've got two king patrons now. We wanted to thank Stephen for joining the ranks of royalty. Hold, I have a bone to pick with you. Couldn't you have picked something that we would have known something about? 
instead of yeah. Texas Hold'em. No, that's, yeah, you really could. What in what other what other thing has two kings? Um, King Philip. Mm, sounds like one king to yeah, me. It's one king. <laughs> king Phillips. <laughs> Kings Philip. <laughs> Are you actually referencing something? Um, I don't know. I don't remember. I'm thinking of that that king that you said was gay, and then if he married another guy, he didn't have another king. Yeah, but if he had, <laughs> yeah, okay, if the oh, gay okay, king great. had had yeah, another okay. king, yeah. Okay, fine. Then they would have both been called Philip. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's what happens when you marry into a family. You take the first name. Now, when you marry into a family, you take their job. <laughs> Theo's so annoyed with us right now. Moving on. I'm just too tired for this. Look, that was a great segue for me to say thank you to Stephen for <laughs> upping his donation amount. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we love you for yes, that. Yes, thank you, Stephen. Audience, if you join our highest tier of the Patreon, you gain the ability to force us to cover anything of your choosing except the human centipede. Sorry, I just need to throw that out there. <laughs> I'll read the Wikipedia page for it if you really want to, but I'll never watch it. So that's off the table, but based, almost anything else. So that's what Steven's going to do, and I'm I'm a little bit worried about what he's going to make us cover, but we'll see. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be great. I think he's going to pick something classy. Classy. Yeah, classy. If you would like to hear some updates from us, you can reach us on Instagram at FireTheCannonPod. Our Twitter is FireTheCannonPod as well. Our website is www.FireTheCannonPod.com. Our Gmail is FireTheCannonPodcast at gmail.com. Stephen did a wonderful job of changing up the website so that we no longer get constant spam emails from that man named Eric, but now we don't get any I'm emails. I'm to miss him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of miss <laughs> Eric, Eric so come back. Yeah, would one of you be willing to spam us a little bit? please. Yeah. <laughs> also, as a reminder, we are soliciting submissions for our hot takes segment, and I did receive one submission so far, and we're going to be recording that um, soon. So hot takes, um, as a reminder, are your opportunity to send us your thoughts on any work of art. Literature would be great, but whatever. We're desperate. Yeah. Send us whatever. <laughs> it could be an opinion maybe that you don't think other people have or maybe something that you're wondering if other people think the same thing. Something that would get you canceled. Some, Yeah, maybe something that would get you canceled. No, I don't really <laughs> want to say that because then that'll get us canceled. Whatever. We'll just make Rachel read it and then it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not Theo. Um, so do send us to our email, firethecannonpodcast at gmail.com, your hot takes. And if we love it, which we probably will, we'll feature it on an episode. Love it. Love it. Okay, I think for a sign-off. This has been fire the canon oh, i'm theo and if you want to but i'm rachel sorry and if you want to become and i'm jackie and if you want to become a patron go to patreon.com slash fire the yeah canon. we've got a Cannon lot of um, it is my birthday after all yeah, yeah. that saying. would be a great birthday present for jackie and yeah to give us monthly we would love it too. yeah give us money every month <laughs> and i have no plans this weekend either so if anybody wants to hang out with me oh my gosh she really is desperate really yeah or just give us money <laughs> <laughs> i think our sign off should be oh how hard it is to be the only ones who know the truth. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay. Three, two, one, 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 go. Oh, oh how hard, hard it is, it is to, be to be the, the only, only one who knows, knows the, truth. the truth. Theo, I said only ones. You said only one. <laughs> how narcissistic. I know. Oh, uh, well, I was feeling it. Yeah, you really was. Oh. All right. Well, goodbye now. Goodbye, Frank. 
Oh, I can't. It's If I start saying all the parents, we'll be stuck here. <laughs> Goodbye now. Goodbye, Frank. Goodbye, Frank jumping over the moon. <laughs> Goodbye, Frank. That never okay, says anything. Let's just say bye, soon. mom and dad. And that applies to everyone's parents. Oh, bye to all the moms and dads out there. Bye, mom and dad. <laughs> all right. That's enough, right? Can we stop recording?